Welcome to the Moto Witch Chronicles. I'm your host, Koji Helmwine. Today, I'll be talking with a woman you may already be familiar with, either through her family's business, The Great Frog, whose stunning silver jewellery adorns the likes of Led Zeppelin, Motorhead, or Motley Crue, to name just a few, or maybe her beautiful Imogenocide Instagram account that gives us all a peek into that LA rock and roll motorcycle life. Or maybe you know her from that time she rode alongside Norman Reedus on his TV show Ride. Imogen Leitonen has been an inspiration to many female motorcyclists all across the world, and I am thrilled to have her come and share her story with us today. Imogen Leitonen, welcome to the Moto Witch Chronicles. It's so good to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Koji. I'm glad to be here. It's exciting to hear what you're doing. Oh, cool. I'm glad you're into it. I had a few questions, and I wanted to start off talking a little bit about who you are and what you do for a living. Yes, of course. Um, so my name is Imogen, as you said. I am a London-born, New Zealand-raised American and New Zealand citizen, dual citizen, uh, and I live in Los Angeles. Um, part of the reason I'm living here is because of my family's business, which started well before I was born in the early 70s. My parents, two uncles and an aunt, all started, well, it was mainly one of my uncles who started it, and then his relatives got involved in a jewelry business called The Great Frog. And it basically started off with skull rings. My uncle and his partner, my aunt Carol, and another uncle, Gavin, my parents sort of all got involved in this business, which started in London, and I think at one point in the early or late 70s we had three or four stores going there was one in Wimbledon one in Harrow on the Hill which is incidentally where I was born on the floor of the house above this shop that all my family members lived in Um, so I was kind of born into this rock roll metal smithing family my dad had learned to make jewelry and set up a whole casting system and basically it started and still is after now 45 years of running it I mean we do all sorts but it's chunky silver kind of skull jewelry and a lot of people in the 70s and 80s in rock and roll were big customers of ours that you know when they'd be on tour throughout Europe they'd stop by London and have a jam on the guitar with my uncle and buy themselves a skull ring it was it's been very underground I grew up far away from it in New Zealand and just really hearing stories about it until I was old enough I left school finished school at 18 and saved up enough money and just left New Zealand by myself and did a a year traveling around the world solo and I ended up living in London for a while and I lived in the attic above the Great Frog and worked in the basement below it and I kind of growing up uh, learning silversmithing from my parents you know my parents had a jewelry shop in New Zealand I would work in after school so I learned a lot of the tools and techniques and everything sort of just watching my dad and him teaching me things so when I went to London I kind of honed those skills a bit more and learned under my uncle and because I lived in the building after hours you know he would show me how to carve wax and would listen to music and smoke weed and drink wine and make jewelry <laughs> and then my and my uncle's a really interesting character I mean he's in his 70s now and he's you know long hair and frog skeleton tattoo and big rings and t-shirts that say fuck off and <laughs> still you know living the rock and roll lifestyle he's a really interesting cool iconic kind of character so basically yeah the, after 19 living and working there really got my you know I got excited about it and I was really into it you know I didn't didn't and wasn't able to live in London I would have at the time if I could have although I was born there legally I'm not a citizen so I ended up moving back to New Zealand and within a few years I was just quite bored you know it's a small country and I my dad being American I 
decided to give it a shot going to live in the state with an ex of mine who wanted to move there anyway to pursue music. So I found myself in LA, which was a city I never really had any interest in moving to. I actually, on all my family trips to see my family in the States would pass through LA and I, <laughs> I hated the city. But yeah, I found myself there seven years ago. And after a year or so working sort of odd jobs and catering and things like that, I reached out to my cousin in London who had been slowly sort of taking over the business from my uncle who was getting older. I reached out about pitching the idea of making a great frog happen in LA and slowly we started to make it happen well actually it wasn't that slow like three months later we kind of like got the ball rolling wow. and the first step was this shop called Trico which was it just happened to be perfect timing um our friends from the UK who have lived in the states uh, Matt and Dean of Dice Magazine um had wanted to look for a, a shop space and so we went in with them and another company to sort of make this motorcycle slash jewelry slash mag, you know motorcycle magazine apparel store so I managed that for two and a half years just pushing the great frog and it was really unheard of in LA I think it was at least a few months before anyone came in the door having heard of the brand and yeah I just really I, I mean I pushed at it I worked at it I wore the stuff I, I got my bench put in there and started working on and sizing the rings and eventually we got to a point that it was just I couldn't manage the other aspects of the shop anymore and we just needed to focus on the great frog and we thought it was time to get our, our own flagship store in LA so that was just over four years ago we opened a shop on Melrose so my cousin came out and um, the two of us with a couple of friends help and a builder kitted out the store and got cool secondhand cabinetry and salvage furniture and put the whole shop together in a really short space of time I think we like lived in that building for a couple of weeks uh, and then my cousin and his builder friend went back to London and I spent the next four days just putting out all the jewelry on the shelves and displaying it and just waiting for the sign to get finished and final touches and then just open the door one day so it's been over four years since then I've just been really juggling it on top of running the workshop space um, you know the shop front and hiring people managing all of that side of things training jewelers training shop staff planning events just all the red tape and tax bullshit and <laughs> every oh, every little aspect that comes with it which is a whole new animal you know I've learned it trial and error so it's been a, an insane journey of six and a half years oh. for me to make this brand something that can be on a level in the states and it's really taking off you know we, we actually have our a small store in new york now a pop-up that started in louisiana and new orleans which was going to be three months should have been closing any day now but i think we're going to keep it open a bit longer oh cool um and of course our london store which is still pumping along you know and, and my cousin really brought us sort of into the 21st century with putting us online and all of and sort of really curating our designs i mean he's the head designer but really like we had thousands of designs after being in business for 45 years and not really ever you know my uncle although he's very talented jeweler and was the whole energy and vibe and everything about the great frog wasn't naturally a businessman so he wasn't all of those other sides of things that's really like sort of slimming it down and scaling it and bringing it to another level which has really only happened in these last six or so years you know and it's really taking off you know we don't advertise but it's word of mouth you know it speaks for itself and people who have been seeing it around since the 70s and 80s in the states um, on their favorite rock stars and things are now realizing that it all comes from one place which is really cool to to watch and experience and be a part of so getting into the family trade which I never really expected myself to be as deeply involved in it as I am it's been really rewarding and cool to help bring my family's legacy into a whole new world you know yeah and bring it to share it with other people which is really cool it's one of those things like I guess what your parents are into it always kind of seems a bit like uh, you know <laughs> I you know I always thought it was this cool thing but I mean in New Zealand where I grew up no one had ever heard of the great frog and I mean people think jewelry is this glamorous kind of thing and they would 
playing around with diamonds in some, you know, pristine <laughs> environment. And it's, it's really just like a dirty workshop and your hands get dirty and you're working with big files and blow torches and hammers and grinding and polishing and making a mess and chemicals. And it's, it's fun. And I grew up learning it, but it was never really what I wanted to get into. I'm, much more of a creative I think there are aspects of this job that are creative and I need to hone into that a bit more but I'm not naturally a businesswoman either so it's been really interesting really get my hands dirty and really get this deep into something and push through and start to see the rewards which has been so amazing it was kind of an underground shop that I, I think it was at one point it was almost it was almost going to fold you know about 10 years ago I think it was at a point where my uncle was ready to wash his hands of it he was in big debt and it was hard work and he was getting older and my cousin really stepped in and then and I stepped in after that and we really sort of just held this burden, turned it into something else and really pushed it forward. So it's been great. It's exciting and, and cool to really see it taking off. You know, it's got a new lease of life for sure after 45 years. Yeah. I mean, your jewelry has been seen on so many huge name bands, you know, like from Motorhead and Metallica and Iron Maiden. Did I see Zeppelin as well? We're wearing yeah. Great Frog. That's yeah. incredible. My God. Yeah everyone i mean i remember when it when it started taking off again and lady gaga's telephone video she had it i remember someone pointed like screenshot it was like look the great frogging and i'm like what i remember wow. years ago and like more and more so i mean there's many from you know that era of of rock and roll and then it sort of really spread into a, a whole different i mean we get a lot of guys who are you know wanting to get rings for their music videos and things now that are in a whole different genre and range that usually the great frog didn't cater to so much you know in, in like the hip-hop and that kind of vibe as well which yeah. is really cool to see it's interesting i mean when i was a kid i've always been obsessed with skulls i always thought they were so cool and i kind of grew up around that kind of environment so you know i would have killed for a pair of skull pajamas when i was a kid <laughs> Now, now it's like everywhere it's so easy to find that kind of thing you know it's like yeah. we get old ladies coming in you know who are in their 70s and they're buying themselves a skull ring and I just think that is so cool you know it used to be if you were a goth or a metalhead only yeah. you know would you be interested it's not that way anymore it's really cool to see you have grown up around motorcycles clearly how did you personally get into because I, I know sometimes kids you know grow up with their parents riding bikes and they have no interest whatsoever so did you always have an interest yeah, in for me I think before I can even remember I mean there's pictures of me as a toddler wearing a motorcycle helmet and I've, I've always been a daddy's girl you know I've always been sort of really into all of the stuff that my dad was about you know he was a mechanic and uh, also a jeweler and loved motorcycles basically loved any kind of machinery or thing that goes fast or weapons so I mean we I mean I grew up without television in New Zealand, you know, with a big backyard and, you know, my dad and my brother would make knives and throw them and I would be down in the basement with my dad, like learning all the stuff he knew about. And he was always into motorcycles. He used to have a Harley Davidson panhead when he lived in Florida in the seventies, which is still in my family now. It's actually in London. I got to ride it last year for the first time, which was amazing. But he carried a picture of this bike um, in his wallet his whole life. It was his dream bike. He was going to get it back one day, but he never ended up moving back to the States. But yeah, I, I think I always knew I would eventually get a motorcycle. It was just interesting because in the environment I grew up in New Zealand, it was quite far reached, you know, it was something I'd see motorcycles and we'd go to like some of those like car shows, motorcycle events. My dad, when he got his license in New Zealand too, I would jump on the back with him and I was around dirt bikes and things a lot and sort of, you know, instinctively learned how to ride a motorcycle, especially um, my dad's sister, my aunt in Florida had a lot of land and had a couple of old Hondas. And that's where I really learned how to ride on family holidays to Florida. So we would go, we wouldn't go more than two years without going to Florida. It was every one or two years we'd go see my grandma who's now 101 in Florida <laughs> and my I know she's still around and still awesome Amazing. and kicking 
and my aunt yeah had all this land and she had like quad bikes and motorcycles and swamp buggies and fun things to sort of play around and ride on and that was just a really cool place to learn um, and really get the hang of it whereas New Zealand we lived on sort of a busier road with steep hills and driveways and really there was no one my age who was riding motorcycles and most of what you would see around when I was a teenager was like sport bikes you know there was a lot of Kawasaki ninjas around that was mainly what it was Mm -hmm. so I'd see that and I was like oh yeah that's cool you know like it'll be my time at some point and I'll find what I want and be able to afford it or whatever but learning in Florida was just such a cool experience I mean there's no helmet laws and my aunt lived in this huge expanse of space with neighbors were miles apart and the first times I was actually really going at speed on a motorcycle I was kind of like in shorts and no helmet and just kind of like trying to do yoga on a motorcycle which is oh kind of ridiculous God. to think about it but I, there's, there's no um I just I was having fun you know I wasn't really thinking about it as this thing and it was like you go off the road onto the grass and you know I'd be standing up on the bike and scooting around and and then it wasn't really until I moved to the States was when I was really like, okay, and that was seven, eight years ago that I was like, okay, this is it. I'm buying myself a motorcycle. And in between those times, I mean, I was in my, I think I was 21 when I moved to the States. And before that, the few years I'd had in New Zealand, it was awesome. I would get, I'd go to university um, on the da- back of my dad's bike. So on, he would ride to work and drop me off at university on the way, <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> the fact that you were around bikes so much, do you remember like that first feeling of the first solo ride where you, you know, you went out on a, a road? trip on your bike do you remember that one and how did that feel yeah yeah mine would have been my florida experiences i mean it's an indescribable feeling i was hooked as soon as we got and it was kind of nice we had to work for it a little bit like i'd ridden little blips of dirt bikes and when my dad and i actually got this honda running and just suddenly being out with the whole day to just go and ride and go wherever i want was amazing feeling i mean it's indescribable i was hooked from that minute and knew that i had to get one you know it's just obsessed you know yeah yeah. and i you know i tend to to do that as well you know i find something i'm really enjoy and then I'm just like okay I'm going to be doing this for the rest of the rest of my life you know and it was definitely that feeling of just you know a huge smile on my face just wind in my hair <laughs> yeah it's I, definitely I, I, addictive. I never forget the first feeling of it. I still get it I feel like often when I get on a motorcycle it's like the first feeling I get super stoked every time I get on a bike you know yeah yeah I feel you since you're so talented at working with your hands at the shop have you ever tried your hand at building bikes I haven't, but um, that's something I really, really would love to find the time to do. It's one of those things that, uh, like talking about the great frog, it, it's, it's amazing, but it's been the most time-consuming thing for the past six years, and I have this constant list of things that I add to, of things I want to do and want to achieve. And, you know, I have this fear of not doing everything. I've got so many things I want to experience and want to learn and want to be better at, and it's just finding the time and creating the time and the balance to get going with some of those things and building a bike is one of them for sure it's like really high on my list my dad was a mechanic as I said and he loved putting things together and I feel like that's something I would like to do for myself and for him you know something um, I have ideas about what kind of thing I would like to work on or what I'd like to build but especially like even little little details of I know my cousin has been getting into this as a jeweler as well you know making little custom parts skulls and things like that that little caps that can be attached and shift knobs with the skull and all that kind of stuff I'm like oh that's so cool he set a garnet into like the tip of his headlight so there's like a little red spot in the middle that shines through it's like a gemstone in there I'm like oh dude so I mean I have ideas out coming out of my ears I just need to really like get the time to and the space to make it happen you know working towards it for sure 
Yeah. Out there in LA, I've noticed that the female biking community seems to just be exploding. What do you personally think of all the female biking events and, you know, all the, the girls coming out on their bikes lately? I have mixed feelings about it. I think on the one hand, it's it's so great. I mean, it's funny. We're kind of spoiled about it in LA. I recently uh, hung out with a girl who lives elsewhere and you know I forget how in other places in the world it's still kind of a phenomenon to be a female motorcyclist and where I'm in in LA you're really not I mean you know you're yeah. one in a million you're, you're kind of one in the crowd which is nothing wrong with to be honest it's refreshing and it's inspiring and it's great to be around so many women who have gotten into this fun thing which we can all share this passion with each other and get together and ride and you know all these events that are coming out in all honesty, if, we, if I really put it out there, I mean, I'm grateful because growing up in New Zealand, I didn't have a huge group of female friends. You know, I kind of was a bit of a tomboy and, and went through some bullying, at, like kind of precious teenage years, which really turned me off. Sort of, uh, you know, I became quite introverted. I traveled a lot and then moved countries and I really hadn't made adult female friends and honestly put it down to going to the first ever female motorcycle event I went to about seven years ago and this is when it was still pretty new it was rare I hadn't met other women who would ride I knew of a few but I hadn't met or hung out with any other women who rode and I put that event down to really meeting a handful a good like five or so real solid chicks who ride who have their own businesses who are strong independent cool funny women who um you know i might not get to see all the time but they're there and i know we're solid and we you know we get to see what's going on in each other's lives and we'll see each other maybe once or twice a year at a motorcycle event and others who i see more regularly and we ride together and all that kind of thing and i'm really thankful for that it's amazing i think it's rare to find groups of women whose the things they have in common are such fun adventurous empowering exciting things you know Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I feel like it's been blown way out of proportion in a lot of ways. There are so many genuine and amazing women getting into it. But then like anything, anything that's suddenly thrust into the public stage and is becoming a big thing and more people see it and want to be a part of it. And that's amazing. You know, good on you. Like anyone who wants to ride a motorcycle, I encourage you to do it. But what I do see is that, like anything, when it becomes a fashion statement or a trend, there are a fair amount of people who get into it who won't be riding in five years' time, you know, who are really getting into it because it's cool and Mm -hmm. it looks cool and it is fun. But there is a danger that comes with that. I feel, you know, you can get on a motorcycle and if you have a great time and you love it and you have that feeling that you and I know of like, this is amazing and I'm having, this is just changing my world and I feel refreshed and excited and I could go anywhere and it's shaping who I am. Those are the people that should ride, you know, and put the miles in, put the miles down, get better at riding, be safe and put yourself in every situation until you know you're a good and a safe rider. And that makes all the difference. I'm a bit afraid of riding in groups and I don't go to a lot of the big events anymore because I feel like from 50 to 100 women, it's 2000 women. And a lot of it, again, like it's new and it's exciting for a lot of these girls, but there is a danger. I mean, every time there's one of these events, you know, there's a couple of major accidents and a lot of girls getting a maybe a bigger bike than they can manage yet that they haven't put experience in because it's cool or they they want to ride in a bikini you know which I have done (laughs) but you know make sure you're confident first you know I've met a bunch of people who are like oh yeah I'm so excited to ride but I'm actually shit scared and I'm like well then you shouldn't do it you know don't ride in a group of 50 people if you're shit scared and you you know you obviously not got the confidence yet to put yourself out there and just I mean be safe have fun and be safe but um if you're in it for the right reasons then by all means sorry do you find a difference in riding motorcycles with men versus women um 
Yes and no. Um, women are sweet. Women tend to be a little more like when I ride with a group of women, we're all looking out for each other and we, you know, hand signaling and making sure everyone's cool and pulling over together and like having chats and pictures together. Whereas guys, we get, you know, I don't know, with girls, I feel like we keep a good formation and we're all like, we're being awesome, good, safe riders, which is awesome. I think guys in general, just because the way guys are, a lot of the guys I've ridden with in groups, it's like, all right, we're on our bikes. We're like going fast and we're like trying to do this. And we're like getting real close to each other and hitting these corners as fast as we can. And really like, you know, showing off a little bit and having a bit more of a wild time. So, I mean, it's different for sure. It's fun both ways. It's just a very different experience. I've led a group of women on, you know, a group ride before and it can be a little more high stress of all different size bikes and trying to keep everyone at a good pace and keep everyone together and trying to split lanes through traffic and things like that. Guys that tend to like take a little more risk and, you know, push it a little more for sure. Mm, Yeah, totally. Have you ever dealt with any negativity towards you over being a woman on a bike? Yes and no. I mean, yeah, negativity always. I mean, in general as a human being, I guess not even a woman on a motorcycle, (laughs) you deal with negativity, but, um, the majority of it's not the majority of the feedback I get from people or whatever is usually still a lot of surprise, to be honest, especially on longer trips when I've been in like in the South, in the States or like, you know, smaller States, smaller town, you get out of LA in LA, there's a kind of bit of respect with it. Like people rather than be excited or be like, Oh, cool bike. They kind of like give you a like kind of little nod or like, Oh, that's cool kind of thing. Whereas I've had people follow me off the freeway in smaller states and follow me to a gas station and be like, can I take your picture? I've never seen a woman on a motorcycle before, but it's usually like in awe or interest, you know, I mean, I was just at MotoGP racing in Austin last weekend and you know, there's still, it's usually older guys. There's still a bit of a like, really? That's like, that's your helmet. You ride a motorcycle. Like that's crazy. Like good on you girl kind of thing, but in a kind of a bit of a patronizing way, I guess, but never, I've never had like people be like, I mean, people are fear for, you know, safety and things like that, but I haven't really had negativity as in it's not your place to be on a motorcycle kind of thing. Right. Um, not to my face anyway. <laughs> <laughs> a few years back, you <laughs> took off on a 4,500 mile journey across the States, right? From New York was it to San Francisco with a few of the girls. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about yes. that trip and how it came about? Yeah, definitely. That trip, I mean, that trip was amazing for me. I mean, it had always been a dream to ride across the States and it was really important to me also. Um, it just came about at a timing I was invited along and it happened to be during the one year anniversary of my dad's passing, which was really important to me. I did it almost as a, a bit of a celebration and anniversary in honor of my dad. It was amazing. It was still, it's still something I think about often and it's almost three years ago now. Harley Davidson had been collaboration with a women's moto exhibit. Trip was powered by Harley Davidson, if you put it that way. Basically, we had a bit of free reign as to like what route we wanted to take across the States. Um, I was given the bike that I rode on. I was, it was selected for me, which funnily enough, they put me on the biggest bike of the group. And it was a, uh, it was Harley Davidson's hog magazine white project wide glide bike. So it was a huge bike, Ford controls, big eight hangers, like, (laughs) um, insane motorcycle and we had to pick them up in brooklyn in this little at the dealership in this little alleyway and there was no like hey like you want to test it around i'd never ridden a motorcycle that big and it wasn't it wasn't like hey do you want to like ride it around the parking lot get used to it first it was like being filmed and photographed as we took off from the dealership in this little alleyway filled with potholes on this giant wide glide six-speed motorcycle and i was like all right let's do this and 
that first day driving around Brooklyn, riding around Brooklyn was so insane. I mean, you don't split lanes there and people, I mean, I knocked, I knocked off like two people's wing mirrors trying to split, <gasps> we were illegally splitting, around, oh splitting lanes and like going all through full intense traffic in Brooklyn on these little potholy streets everywhere. I felt like after two days on that bike, the rest of the trip, I was sweet. Like we went through the hardest <laughs> part right then. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was yeah, I was blown away by that trip. We ended up being on the road for 38 days. We extended our trip at the end while when we were off the clock, off contract. We decided to go check out Sturgis. It was the 75th annual, so we went to that as well. So the trip became a little bit longer. I ended up putting 6,000 miles on that bike. Wow. Man, it was just, it was mind-blowing. I mean, we, we took a kind of little south. We didn't go directly across. We kind of went south a little bit through 17 states. We traveled through some cities. We stayed up to two I think sometimes three days we'd have a rest in a city and check out and do motorcycle events and meetups and rides with other people and other times we'd just get to a city sleep and get up and ride early the next morning and it was the middle of summer so it was insanely insanely hot especially going through the south and would put an average of anywhere between like 250 to 600 miles a day or something depending on where we're going to and Oh, it was just insane. It was five women. To me, that trip was just kind of, it was, it was very healing for me. It was something I really needed to do. I'd kind of, after my father passing away, I'd just sort of really been working. I'd been distracting myself and really keeping myself busy. And that was a full month with really no responsibilities except to ride every day and being in my head for many hours over a month of time, you know, was so therapeutic to me. And it it was something I needed. It was very healing. And seeing so many, I mean, I've, I've lived in the States now, like I said, for seven years, but I'd only seen California, Florida, and New York. And then suddenly to not only see all of these states, but to ride through them and witness the sort of changing of the climates and the temperatures from humid to lush and wet to like dry heat to the different cultures and people and accents and all of that. It was really cool to experience because I didn't really know America. And I feel like I I left that trip having a much better understanding of um, this country and how beautiful it is really, you know, it's, um, there are so many built up areas and that's what you see and know. And when you're suddenly riding through these back roads and little two lane highways for hours and hours on end, it's just so magical. I mean, we went through the old Smokies in Tennessee, um, saw elk on the side of the road. We went through Colorado. We saw Colorado National Monument, uh, White Sands National Monument. We rode through through Vail up in the Rockies. We went through crazy rainstorms and just all sorts. I mean, I, the feeling of arriving into San Francisco and feeling like smelling the sea, arriving and just being like, what? We just did it. It was like this <laughs> amazing, I don't even know how to describe it, you know? <laughs> Did you guys map out a specific route for that or did you did you just feel it out as you went? No, there was a specific route mapped out. So um, Lana of Women's Moto Exhibit and her assistant, one of the girls who came along for the trip, had planned it out first. So they kind of knew. I mean, we did improvise a little bit here and there, but we kind of knew. It was it was nice and easy for me because for most of us, we were just kind of like, we didn't have to worry too much about looking at the map. It was kind of, my friend Nina and I were chilling at the back and kind of like checking out hawks and foxes running around. Yeah. <laughs> so we had like uh, coyotes run out in front of us and all sorts of things. So it was, yeah, we weren't having to worry too much about the the agenda so this trip was known as the highway runaways ride how did yes. that lead you into co-starring in the first episode of norman reedus's show ride on amc when we were in georgia it was it, how did it happen a friend of ours friend joni who i know in la is a wardrobe stylist and she'd worked with him before and he'd reached out to her and said do you know these girls who are doing this trip I'd like to meet with them as I'm planning this motorcycle show that I'm doing and they look really cool or whatever. So 
somehow she got in touch with us and somebody in our group was like, look, Norman Reedus lives in Georgia. He's filming The Walking Dead and he'd like to meet with us um, with some of his producers. So at the time I had no clue who Norman Reedus was. I had to Google him. Um, <laughs> I don't watch TV. I didn't know what The Walking Dead was. I had seen Boondock Saints when I was a teenager, but I, you know, didn't click. We rode to some cafe somewhere in Atlanta and met up with him and a couple of producers. And it, I remember it was so hot. It was sort of peeling off layers when we got there and they had fans blowing everywhere in this cafe. And we met with him and chatted with him. He was such a lovely guy. And basically, I mean, none of it was really business talk. I think it was very early stages of him planning the ideas of his show. But he didn't really talk about it much. We were just sort of hanging out and getting to know each other. And he ended up inviting us around the next day to his house for a barbecue. So us girls sort of rode out. He lives um, in this kind of more remote area of Georgia which was really beautiful in Atlanta so we're riding through these big forests and these little roads and it was really funny we're riding along and I see in my rearview mirror there's another rider like joining our group and I was like what is this person doing and he's like <laughs> zipping up and he starts passing through us and he's like hovering side by side each of us and I'm like who is this guy what the fuck is he doing and I, he pulls up next to me and he flips up his helmet and it's Norman and I'm like oh dude <laughs> like he came out to find us on the road and lead us into uh, to his house so we were we were cracking up. So yeah, we had barbecue at his house and hung out with him for a day, which was a lot of fun. And basically, yeah, that's it. I mean, he's very down to earth, just like very cool, fun person to be around. And then, yeah, we kept going on our trip. And I think, yeah, I don't even know how long it was after that when I did the show. I guess it was at least a year or a year and a half later. He reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested. And I said, yes, of course. And his people on the show got in touch and came and checked out the shop and came and chatted to me for a bit. And it went from it was all very last minute it went from being like oh you know we're gonna pop in the shop you know for a couple of hours and shoot to being like oh do you want to just be the co-person for this episode so can you give us four days and we'll shoot in the shop and then ride up the coast with us um to santa cruz and i was like of course <laughs> i will do that so yeah we had a, a really fun day of shooting in the shop and then basically took off that evening and started our adventure and they were in talks they asked if i had ideas of things i wanted to do or get involved in suggestions of places I might have been before up the coast and we did this awesome four-day adventure riding up and and back up the PCH and up to Santa Cruz and we did like dune buggy riding and we rode some electric motorcycles and all sorts of stuff it was so much fun I had to hide a little bit once the show came out about six months later I think it ended up being the the inaugural episode of it I mean it was great they put the shop on blast you know it was filmed in the shop and I sized a ring for Norman and and he he took it so we were just emails and phone calls and people coming in every day being like I found out about this show from Norman Reedus which was so great but I had to hide in my workshop because I just (laughs) my whole day would be taken up with chatting to people and seeing pictures of their motorcycles and taking a picture with them and all that kind of stuff and it was awesome it was really cool to see but I was like I have work to do I I can't so yeah it was been an interesting experience I mean still to this day we get people coming in being like uh, wanting to talk to me about Norman Reedus and you know talking about the show and stuff which is really cool what was the bike that you were riding on the show? It actually uh, worked out perfectly. At the time, my bike was not running and it was not a simple matter to fix. Um, and because it was sprung on me such last minute, I didn't have time to get it sorted. And luckily, my friend Lensley, who lives in New York, had recently purchased herself a bike from my friend Yaniv at Powerplant, who's right down the road from my shop on Melrose. And he makes these awesome motorcycles, Powerplant motorcycles. So she had just bought it and she lives in New York, like I said. So she'd asked me if she could store it in the shop. And I said, yes, first of all, it's a beautiful bike. I actually, you know, my shop space is pretty big and I like to have a motorcycle on display in the window because it brings people in and it takes up a good amount of space and it goes with with our aesthetic. And this beautiful bike was sort of black with gold trim and like looked perfect for the shop. And I had it in the window 
window. So I reached out to her and I was like, hey, man, do you mind if I borrow this bike? Like, it's going to be in this show. And she was like, absolutely, of course. Oh, cool. So uh, I rode this beautiful diner that was so so much fun to ride and yeah managed to sort of take that along for the ride and and it's been great as well like ever since in, in a lot of the episodes have been friends of mine or norman will text me and ask hey do you have any friends in this city or that state or cool motorcycle people here or text me in london with a picture of people that i know and be like hey i'm in london and these people are talking about you or this and that which is really cool but yeah <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a fun experience for sure they've talked about maybe norman said maybe bringing me back for an episode somewhere and i get people going go on do it so i'll see oh, yeah it, it sounds like so much fun, fun. I'd love to do an international episode yeah yeah speaking of international i think it was the last year you got to ride ducati's new cafe racer out in italy what was that like Yes. Oh, that was such an amazing experience. So last year I was lucky. Ducati took me to Italy twice last year to the press test launch of the Scrambler Ducati Cafe Racer. And that was in Bologna in Italy, which is actually the home of the Ducati Scrambler brand. So they have like the, the Scrambler Cafe and all this kind of stuff. It's a big thing there. It's like the home of Ducati. It was such an amazing trip. It was, I think, just a week that I was there. But we had a whole day. There was 30 of us. They divided us into a group of 10s and I think kind of done internationally. So it was people from all over the world, journalists and people involved in the motorcycle world who were basically invited along to ride these motorcycles. It was awesome. So we had one person from Ducati leading each group as we went up through the Apennine Mountains that were just this beautiful, it wasn't quite Tuscany, but it looked like it, you know, these just rolling hills that you're sort of riding up onto these hairpin turns everywhere on a Sunday and there's a lot of cyclists around. So, I mean, Italian drivers are insane as well we'd come around these corners at speed on a motorcycle and there'd be like three cyclists in the middle of the road like (laughs) you'd have to maneuver around them and a lot of the people they invited were like racers so also a different style of bike than what I'm used to riding you know it's very it's a cafe racer you're down on your wrists and your knees are bent and you're kind of like in race position and I'm keeping up with all these people who are going jet speed you know while I'm trying to look around and there's these beautiful like castles and old mills that are crumbling that I want to stop and look at everything so it was it was just this insane day it was so much fun we stopped for lunch at this beautiful house turned kind of vineyard thing that up on the hill with an indoor pool that we sort of had lunch at and then made our way back down. And then the rest of the time was a lot of sort of, you know, checking out a bit of Bologna and getting involved with more Ducati stuff and going to events for it, around it. And then we had a day off that we went to Venice um, in, a, in our little group who went with us, which was so much fun as well. And then it led to a few more things. I did a couple of videos with them for the launches of their, their new bikes, like the 1100 that came out. We did a short film. We just did the second installment of it, which was a lot of fun. Because of that, they ended up inviting me out to Milan last year in November for the Ducati World Premiere. So they had me riding the new 1100 out onto stage in front of a, a live audience in a, and on live Italian television, which was nerve-wracking, but also a really fun experience. So yeah, I've been getting involved with, with Scrambler, and they're a lot of fun. They're a really cool company. You're- You're also involved in the Assembly Chopper Show at the House of Vans in London, and you're doing that again this summer. Can you tell us a little bit about what people can expect at that? Yes, I can. So Assembly Show just started last year. It was the first annual. And for me, I mean, of course, I I might be a little bit biased because it's (laughs) something that, um, you know, two companies close to my heart, The Great Frog, my family, and Dice Magazine, which, you know, was sort of my first work in America. And, you know, I've been featured with them a lot. Matt and Dean have both been very close to me. So... The assembly show is, in all honesty, I went last year and I would say it's been my favorite motorcycle show yet to date. And I've been to so many of them. It was just so much fun. Like the venue, I mean, I think the first of any show is also 
usually the best. I don't know. There's an organic vibe. It's the real essence of what people were trying to create. It's usually a small, smaller crowd and it, I just felt assembly was such a, I mean, not to compare it hugely, but I feel like a lot of the California motorcycle events that I go to, you know, people all tend to know each other already over the years. And it's, you know, a little bit of a show of who's cooler than who <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> whereas assembly just seemed really organic and down to earth. And there was families there and there was just a really cool homely vibe. The conversations you were having with people were real and genuine and about deeper things and life and experiences not so much about like, what do you do this and that, but along with that, it was such a cool collection of almost, I think it was almost 50 motorcycles. A lot of them like old knuckleheads. I'm into old Harleys. I think they're beautiful. I think I love seeing the history and the story and what people do to finish them and make them this almost a work of art, as well as this piece of history and a running motorcycle. It's just amazing to me. The venue itself is mind blowing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure um, anyone who lives in the UK, or in, has been to London, maybe knows about the House of Vans London, but it's just huge 50-foot arced ceilings that are old brick that are seeping with weird fluids that you don't know where they're coming from <laughs> and endless sort of corridors and hallways and a skate bowl, you know, put into the middle of it and hidden rooms. And it was just, it was just such a, a really cool, organic, fun show. So I'm really excited to get back and get involved in it again this year. Um, my friend Tamara, who's a really big part in putting on the show is coming out. She actually just arrived in LA and she's a good friend of mine. So she's going to be working on shipping some of the bikes over and quite a few come from California. Um, and we're probably going to be trying to plan some kind of a ride to assembly thing too, that we get to do a bit of a ride in Europe and show up to the event, which is going to be a lot of fun. Wow. That sounds absolutely phenomenal. My God, I hope I get to go again this year. I hope you can too. <laughs> I had such a good time meeting you last year. I was like, you're going to hang know. out again. I know. It was <laughs> so much fun. Um, okay. I've got one last question for you. Do you have any advice for anyone listening sure. who might be a new rider or someone who's dreaming of just getting into riding motorcycles? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my advice would be do it. First of all, if you have any interest in it, the only way you can know if you're going to, if you're going to love it is to try it. I would say I recommend doing, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called MSC motorcycle safety course, but I'm sure there's variations of it all over the world. And I've met people who have done it, who have been seasoned riders who have done it and still learned things they had no idea about. I think it's so worthwhile. It's basically a motorcycle safety course and they teach you everything you need to know about riding a motorcycle on the range and in the classroom and do it. I mean, really it takes, I mean, it takes a few months before you can be comfortable enough on a motorcycle to really not have to be thinking about what you're doing all the time. And only then will you really know if it's something you're passionate about. If you have fear about it or if your true reasoning is elsewhere, if it's something because you've just seen it and it looks really cool or you want to be part of this crowd or whatever, then you can only know until you do it. If you get on a bike and you have this feeling like, I am in love with this feeling, then then you've got to be able to do it and just keep it up and get better and throw yourself into every situation that you can take on every ride that you can just be safe and be aware and once you come into contact with every situation the better you're going to be at dealing with it when it comes up you know and a lot of people say and I believe this is true and I've had spills for sure but um you know it's not you know if you're going to crash it's when so being prepared for that not I mean I don't get on my bike and think about death or hurting myself you know but you know it happens and that's a reality too so I mean just know what you're doing and get out there and have fun and be safe that's some great advice. Imogen, thank you so much for coming out and having a chat with me for the Moto Witch Chronicles. Really appreciate it. It's been amazing to reconnect with you and to talk all things motorcycles.
Koji, you're so welcome. I um I really hope you can make it an assembly because I want to give you a big hug and chat with you. <laughs> just got to know you a little bit last year, but thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited for the Moto Witch Chronicles. I'm excited to see what you do with it and where it goes. And yeah, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and wanting for me to be a part of it. Thank you. Sure thing. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. We love hearing back from our listeners. If you'd like even more content from female bikers around the world, head on over to motowitch.com for articles written by world record holders, adventurers, and new riders alike. If you're a female biker listening to this and you're thinking, I have something I'd like to share with the Moto Witch community, please get in touch with me. No matter how small or insignificant you might think your moto life is, I guarantee that it is a beautiful and wild adventure that we would love to hear and someone out there can learn from. Submit your story to hello at motowitch.com now. Either way, say hi over on Instagram at motowitchcollective. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you'll stick with me as I learn on the fly. Until next time, ride safe. <laughs>